The reading is taken from Romans chapter 15, verses 4 to 14, to be found on page 159 of the New Testament section of the Church Bibles. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself feel confident about you, my brothers and sisters that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening, everyone. Let's pray out of verse 4 that we heard read, which is the verse that kicked off this idea of Bible Sunday several hundred years ago. So let's pray. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Amen. It's wonderful to be uh, preaching with you this evening on Bible Sunday Um, This is one of my favourite Sundays of the church year. It's kind of a curious one. 
It's not a time in the church year. It's not sort of Lent or Good Friday. It's not a saint. It's not Saint Bible. It's a sort of curious one. But I absolutely love that for a Sunday we say that this book is the foundation of all that we do. It may or may not come as a surprise that the Bible is the most sold book uh, every single year in the world. It changes more lives than any other and it has the greater potential than any other book to change your life as well. In a world of self-help books that try and tell you that all of your help can come from within. This is the greatest help that we can ever have. That instead of reaching for help from within, that we have a God who has reached into this world to help us. A few years ago, the Bible was knocked off one of the top lists. Um, Not for the most sold book, but it, in fact, was sold, uh, knocked off the list for the most printed book. Quiz. Does anyone know what knocked off the Bible from the most printed book worldwide? Harry Potter? No, not even for a single year did Harry Potter knock Because that would have been in the most sold category. And and maybe it's a giveaway that it's in the not sold category. Any ideas? CDs? No, it is a book. It's a difficult one. Not Shakespeare. (laughs) It could have been something like that. It was in fact... The Ikea catalogue. <laughs> there we go. There was, um, about six years ago, Ikea decided to print more copies than we um, sold Bibles. A friend of mine who told me that fact also gave me this amazing quote to go along with it, and I'll tell you what the quote is. The Ikea catalogue is given away for free, but everything in it costs money. The Bible doesn't cost much, but it contains the wealth of goodness, and all of it without cost. Amen to that. So I don't think we have too much to worry against the IKEA catalogue. Maybe an obvious question, but what is the Bible? It's, you know, it's a book. But think of it this way, as the written account of the people of God walking with God, the people of God, an encounter of the people of God walking with their God. There's a nice summary of a thousand pages, isn't it? Or a thousand pages in this version, which is my pocket. If you've, I don't know, maybe 2,000 in your pew Bibles, or even more maybe. First, God walked with his chosen people, the Jews, in Israel, and then his uh, spirit was poured out on all people at Pentecost. 
66 books in all, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. There are numerous authors writing over many centuries, all walking alongside God, all learning what that would look like for them in their generation. There is instruction, there is teaching, there is wisdom on how to live. And there are histories accounting of how the people walked with their God and how it was going, whether it was going well or not. There are almost 500 references to God or the messenger of God speaking directly to his people. So if you asked by someone, so what is the Bible? Someone might say, well, it's a a list of shoulds and shouldn't haves, the, the do's and don'ts, what God thinks you should or shouldn't do. But wouldn't a better answer be the Bible is the encounter between God and his people? And that is why we read it. That's why we hold it in such esteem. I've brought with me a a, a very precious Bible with me. This was the Bible uh, when I came to faith, uh, was given to me uh, by my friends. Um, It was in the first term of university to begin with. I got a sort of Gideon's New Testament given to me, uh, but come Christmas, my, my good friends, uh, in their wisdom, bought me this Bible. They put uh, wonderful um, verses at the front of it. They put Joshua 1, 8, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. And also 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I hope I have been living out those um, scriptures written in this uh, Bible This Bible is in slightly bad condition uh, and it only gets brought out on um, good uh, a couple of times a year on sort of memorable moments. Uh, My wife's smiling at me probably because she knows that, you know, uh, when I need to have a good day with God, she's like, bring out that Bible, you know. You have a good day with God. Do you know where your Bible is at home? Do you have uh, a favorite Bible if you have more than one? A friend of mine um, collects Bibles. It's maybe a strange hobby to have. Um, He'd often get them in second-hand bookstores. Um, He's managed to find amazing ones, uh, family members, parents of notable Christians, just just found in Oxfam. He also owns a very expensive Bible. He owns a Geneva Bible, one of the most influential Bibles of um, the English-speaking language. It would have been the Bible that Shakespeare read at about 
£3,000, you might think that he's just into expensive things. But um, chatting to him about his Bible collection, that's one of his favorites. The other is his dad's Bible. Uh, and he brings it out, and it's, um, it's about twice as wide as it should be. Because his dad, every time he used to read a page, used to put a little page between it and, and write notes in it. Uh, and it got wider and wider. Um, and he said, this is one of my dad's uh, Bibles. He said, one, because, you know, there's only so wide a Bible can get. And so he'd have to put it down and start with a new one. Plenty of religions hold sentiment to their holy scriptures. Maybe they, they don't put it on the floor because the floor is dirty. Or after reading it, uh, they put it to bed, which I think is a, a really nice idea. A little quaint, um, maybe um, is it wrong to say that the, the scripture has got tired, but they see it almost like a person equal in human humanity to themselves. And actually, it's intriguing to see how people view their scriptures and with what respect they give to it. Do we both respect and utilize our Bibles? Do we savor them? When I was studying to, to be a vicar at Cambridge University, in the academics, in the divinity department, you would often meet two types of academic. Sometimes it was easy to tell the difference. Sometimes the difference was quite subtle and they would sort of hide the distinction. But often you could actually tell. The main difference was whether the Bible was an academic interest with no personal impact on their life. Maybe someone who had just thought, well, I'll study the Bible, but I could have been professor of Shakespeare or 19th century Gothic literature, where the Bible could just be viewed as another interest, another academic study. But there were those who you could see they had a personal faith. Maybe they didn't wear it on their sleeve around the department, but you could tell they cared about Scripture because it had changed their lives. And actually, they had ended up dedicating their life to the book that had changed their lives. They were determined to delve into the detail. They knew that the, the world of the Bible was like diving into a, a, a deep pool that you wouldn't find the bottom, you wouldn't find the edges, you wouldn't find it falling short. And those people, you could tell the difference. But unfortunately, this does show that actually you could read this book for your whole life and sort of not be changed by it. In one way, the, the words on the page, what are they if they're just an academic interest? It's sad to think that the words on the page could be 
no transformation at all if you don't allow them to be that. There was a curious encounter in Matthew 22 between Jesus and the Pharisees. These encounters often, Jesus is being approached by these Pharisees who are trying to catch him out. And Jesus says this to them, you are in error because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. Jesus was saying to people who supposedly knew scripture very well that actually if they didn't know the transformation that came from it, they didn't know it at all because they neither knew the scriptures nor the power of God that came from it. So, reading the Bible, why might it be important to read it? It was wonderful to to hear from Sarah earlier. And yes, sometimes reading the Bible seems easier and sometimes it does genuinely feel more difficult. But let me give you um, some analogies from a different area, a couple of different areas of life. When I was a a teenager, I did lots of music. Um, Some of you might know I was a junior student at Royal College of Music. So every Saturday, I had the real privilege of going into Kensington uh, to have my lessons, ensembles, orchestras, choirs, all of that. But there was a saying that would go round the corridors, and all students knew it. It said this. It was about practice. If you don't practice for one day, you will notice. If you don't practice for two days, I will notice. Your teacher will notice. And if you don't practice for three days, your audience will notice. And this really gave people the chills. You know, you didn't want to get found out. But essentially, the regular practice in the musical instrument that you were learning at the time would pay dividend. But actually, if you didn't, the neglect of it would be visible. How about a different analogy? Who's a fan of breakfast? There we go. There's a fan of breakfast. Absolutely. Who would admit to occasionally skipping breakfast? There's a few hands there. Maybe we're too busy. Maybe the stuff of life gets in the way. Maybe we feel that it's not the most important meal of the day. I'll just coast it till lunch. And you probably can get away with it occasionally. But unless you make up with it in other ways, you'll probably start noticing the difference. Unless you're one of these strange people who doesn't believe in breakfast. I'll never understand you. Maybe I don't believe in you. Saying this, we don't read the Bible because reading it is the worth in itself. I don't read the Bible X number of times a week because it in and of itself is what I should be doing. But every time I open scripture, I open a window 
into the world of God. Into that encounter with God, the people of God walking with God. And it's only by opening it and reading it and meditating on it do I see how that can affect my life, that that can be the experience that I have. The Bible is the same, that we don't read it to feel guilty, but because it is a window into our relationship with God. Can I have the second slide? I found this wonderful quote by Eugene Peterson, that the Christian scripture are the primary text for Christian spirituality, for its faith and practice, Christian spirituality is entirely rooted in and shaped by the scriptural text. Eugene Peterson, famous for the Message Bible, but was a pastor all his life, knew that you could never get away from the book. You don't graduate from the Bible onto other things, onto commentaries, onto other people's writing about the Bible, you always come back to what he calls the primary text for Christian spirituality. We are entirely rooted and shaped by it. There isn't believing in God using half the book or bits of the book. Some people through history have tried to cut out Bits that they don't like. And that doesn't mean we find all the bits easy or we understand all of it. But we believe that God speaks through the whole Bible. And so, can we trust the Bible for our lives? Can we have the next slide? If you're wondering if you can trust the Bible, um, if you want to learn more about it, I'm going to recommend two books for you this evening, if you like to read. The the one on the left, Why Trust the Bible by Amy or Ewing, is a great introduction to many of the challenges that you might have, that people around you uh, might have, about um, scripture, about the Bible. It's probably the more accessible of the two. However, the one on the right is F.F. Bruce's The New Testament Documents. Are they reliable? Uh, And there is no book um, outside of the Bible that has got me uh, excited about the Bible, about its reliability, that it is um, an absolutely trustworthy book. We do not have to worry about it. So if you're interested in either of those, I do wholeheartedly encourage you to read them because they will um, bring you back to reading your Bibles more readily. So how do we get into reading our Bibles? Has anyone tried to read their Bible as maybe a good idea, maybe as a New Year's resolution and it's dropped off the radar maybe after days, weeks, months maybe years 
How do we create a sustainable pattern that will regularly feed us um, with the word of God? If we're regularly skipping breakfast um, because of our schedule, what would we do? Maybe wake up early. Maybe have breakfast in a different way. We would arrange things that we could make it all fit in. I'm going to say that the big thing to do is to find the thing that works. There is no single way to read your Bibles. At times I've chosen a single verse and I've read that single verse and I've held on to that day for that day and I've prayed about it. A single verse. At other times, I've read a chapter or a chapter from a couple of different places in the Bible. Sometimes I've wanted free choice. I've maybe gone through a book or maybe even opened the page in the hope of finding God's inspiration. At other times, I've been overwhelmed by that and I've wanted a reading plan. All of these you can find online. I've actually also found that I really enjoy listening to Scripture. I actually find listening to Scripture far easier than reading it. And here is um, David Suchet of um, Poirot fame. Luckily, he doesn't do it with his Belgian accent. Um, For for very little money, you can get hold of the entire Bible read by John Suchet. David Suchet. Shouldn't get him mixed up with his brother. Um, There are also great apps. I know not everyone is a fan of using phones and apps, but if um, you do that in your daily life, why not do it um, with your scripture as well? So a couple of apps for you to try, some with slightly more scripture, some with slightly less. Uh, The one on the left is um, the Bible in One Year, uh, set up by Nicky Gumbel and HGB. Um, Absolutely brilliant. They read a psalm, a bit of New Testament, a bit of Old Testament. Nicky says a few things, uh, and then they pray. It takes 25 minutes if you take the regular version, but they've made an express version where... I'm not sure what they they, um, cut out, but it's 15 minutes. Uh, You can either call it, it, I think there's the youth version, there's the express version as well. And either you can follow it through the year where you just say, give me the next day, or they set the day. Um, There's various different ways of which you can use that app. And the other one on the right is called Pray As You Go. This is written in a more Catholic setting, but it's very approachable for um, any um, denomination. It's a smaller amount of scripture. There's some music, some prayer time. It's done in a more reflective way. So if you want to take your scripture and ruminate on it, maybe pray as you go might be the one to try out. I grew up in London, and there are plenty of things to like and dislike about um, 
living in London, and one of the things most people dislike is commuting. But I remember when I used to commute to my summer jobs and various things, that was a brilliant time to read scripture, to listen to scripture. And I actually miss the fact that I don't have a commute. Before the pandemic, did you have a very different uh, schedule where reading your Bible fitted in? Certainly within the working sphere, now with lots of us working from home, those of us who are of working age, not having a commute, I think, is a big thing. Not having that time to have scripture, to have prayer, was a big loss. And actually, I had to rework out, okay, where does my Bible reading, where does my prayer time fit in? I think times of life are always changing. So we have to roll with that and work out where does scripture fit in? So my encouragement to you is to find the thing that works and also that will keep working. It's all very well if it works for a couple of weeks, but is it manageable? Is it sustainable? I hope in this talk we don't feel guilty because God wants us only to come into deeper relationship with him. And a relationship that's based on guilt is never a good one. But a relationship with God should be about a desire to spend more time with him in his presence. And generation upon generation has stumbled into the living God. The living God who uh, is out of the pages, who is only found through reading through the pages. Yes, we get scripture read to us at church and someone like me says something about it, but it doesn't come actually close, I think, to that moment when you open up your Bible, when you read a passage and God reaches out and speaks directly to you. Nothing beats that moment when we feel God's encounter with us and our love for him ever increases. This is my encouragement to us on Bible Sunday. If we don't open up scripture, we don't know how God is going to speak to us or speak through us. So the answer is to open it, to read it, and to treasure it in our hearts. Amen.